enough to get a job, not gonna rob a bank, not gonna win the lottery. Welcome back to Shots Fired. My name is Jacob Shots. It's Tuesday, March 14th, 2017, and I still don't have a real job. I've become gripped by the urge to run a tabletop game. This isn't uncommon for me. I've wanted to run tabletop games for as long as I've known about tabletop games, but recently it's become a lot stronger. I have the fifth edition of Dungeons & Dragons. I have a bunch of books for that, including one for the Out of the Abyss adventure. That one looks really cool. It's by uh, a couple of really great DMs. It's set in the Underdark, which is nasty, shadowy caves and monsters, but it's also got this Alice in Wonderland bent to its character design. The idea is that there are a ton of colorful NPCs with differing motivations and really unique attributes about them that make it fun to roleplay in the world that they built for you. So that's one that I've been wanting to run for a while, and there are some people locally who have expressed an interest in D&D. So I, I think I might try and work that out for them. Especially because listening to stuff like The Adventure Zone has given me that itch to make a world and have people play around in it. But there are so many other games that I want to run at the same time, you guys. It's a very good problem to have. I've talked about Dungeon World on the podcast before. I have wanted to run a Dungeon World game for quite a while, but I've never really found the right time or group or even setting background for it. On top of that, there's also the option of Apocalypse World, which is like if Dungeon World were run in a more Mad Max setting. Or I guess Dungeon World is if Apocalypse World were run in a more traditional D&D setting. But Apocalypse World is wild and has a lot more group politics in a wasteland, which that's always neat. I love that. There's also Crab Truckers. I talked about Crab Truckers a long time ago, and that one is super lightweight. I guess what I'm looking for here is something that mirrors one of the first early terrible ideas that I had when it comes to DMing. One of the very first D&D games that I ran was a 4th edition D&D game that had, uh... 20 players at one point. This was with a big group of mutual friends online, and the idea was that we would allow people to drop in and drop out. We weren't all around at the same time, but we had a lot of people who wanted to play. So I was going to DM, and I was going to build this sort of adventurer's guild. And this guild could go and take small missions that you could go out and do and then come back and then whoever was around would be able to take a mission. Or we could have two missions running simultaneously at different times, you know? This was a terrible idea. Getting everybody scheduled for this sort of thing was just a nightmare and I had no idea how to build a session that would run for a short amount of time. We had combat with like eight people at once and it was nonsense, it just didn't work. But I love the idea of a continuous world that is shared between different groups of adventurers. I love this sort of MMO-esque idea of a world that you're sharing with other people even if you don't see those people all the time. I think one of the things that I might try, or an experiment for the next kind of game that I run, I want to see if I can get people attached to the idea of switching between characters. This is going to need a rules light system in order to work. But if we can get people to allow these creations that they've made, these characters that they've made, to 
sit on the bench for a while or even go into the hands of another player. We can have a bunch of characters that rotate in and out without having to increase the number of people that I need to schedule. If we do something like Crab Truckers, where you have a, a relatively straightforward mission that involves three or four characters, and then once those characters are done with that mission, they go back to the truck depot, and we pull out either some of those characters or none of those characters and make more characters in the same world, that might get at the same sort of feeling that I want from this. It's weird. Character shifting is a tough sell because you get invested in the things that you make, and that's not a bad thing. But I like this idea of a rotating world, a world that is ever-changing. At any rate, I'll come up with something. What will probably happen is I will run D&D 5th Edition with either the Out of the Abyss story or with one of the Plane Shift supplements that Magic the Gathering has put out, which use their worlds but with D&D's rules. Because that I'm a sucker for that. I love the worlds of Magic the Gathering. But I can try and incorporate some of these weirder things into a Plane Shift game. Speaking of magic, I have your magic card art for today. Your magic card art for today is Mardu Charm by Matthias Kulros. Charms have a specific niche in Magic the Gathering. Charms are quick spells that are cast at what's called instant speed, and they are modular. So you're given an option, you can pick one of three small effects. The effects are small, but the fact that you can choose between three of them makes charms extremely versatile and really effective. The Mardu Charm is a unique kind of charm because it's got three colors in it, red, white, and black. And that's because it's related to the Mardu Horde, which is a faction on a plane called Tarkir. These guys are basically the Huns or the Mongols or a mixture of the two. They run around pillaging all the time. And the cool thing about charms on Tarkir is that they're not little baubles. Most of the time, charms on Tarkir are represented as these big magic rituals, usually involving a flame of some kind. The Mardu charm is no exception in this regard. It's got a pyre that is surrounded by what look to be tusks of some kind, and the fire is making the symbol of the Mardu horde, which is a pair of wings, symbolizing the wings of a dragon. I really like this art. The wings look gorgeous, and the fire effects spreading out across the scene, both in the air and on the ground, are beautiful. And the fire isn't just a pillar of fire out of nowhere. The way that it is organized looks like a campfire. The Mardu Horde doesn't create established settlements. They set up camp, and then they douse the campfires and move on. So it makes sense that their big fiery magic ritual looks like it's a campfire turned up to 11. I think the coolest part about this piece, though, is the Mardu warrior that is shown in the foreground. In a couple of the other charms, we see members of the clans that are casting these charms. And most of the time, they're looking dead ahead at the charm, saying, what is this going to tell us? What are we going to be able to gain from this? But this Mardu warrior is walking away from the fire as the spell is being cast. The thing about the Mardu is that they worship the speed of the now extinct dragons. Their whole methodology is, we travel, we take what we need, we move on, we keep going. And if you can't keep up, then you will be left behind. So it's so wild to me that this Mardu warrior casts this spell in order to get some kind of beneficial effect, and then essentially says, I will accept the benefit that this spell is giving if it can keep up with me. That's some Conan the Barbarian, I will pray to you if you will keep up with me, and if you can't, then to hell with you, ideology. That's so cool. A lot of attitude in this piece, it's conveyed really 
clearly and effectively, and it is so, so Mardu. Excellent work, so thank you, Mateus Kolros, for your magic card art for today, Mardu Charm. I am sad to report that I don't have an additional album listen for you today, but I have to tell you what happened when I tried to get one. There's a whole arc to this one, bear with me for a bit. I listened to the newest episode of My Brother, My Brother and Me, an advice show for the modern era hosted by the McElroy brothers over on MaximumFun.org. They had a throwaway gag in which a question was posited. How many Jimmy Buffett songs are about boat jail? Now, I endeavored to take a role that XKCD's What If also took on a different one of their questions. And I was going to act as the scientist, because I am among the prestigious few who have listened to more than five Jimmy Buffett songs. So I racked my brain and tried to think actually how many songs were about jail, boat or otherwise. And I thought, is the Ballad of Spider John, I think that's about a guy who's in jail and talking to a guy about his life story. It turns out it wasn't, but I... Love that song, so I went to go look it up. I looked it up, and it turns out The Ballad of Spider John is a cover that Jimmy Buffett did by a guy named Willis Allen Ramsey. And I said, huh, I've never heard of this guy before. Let me go hear his original version of it. Dear listener, Willis Allen Ramsey's The Ballad of Spider John is an amazing track. It's a folk leaning into country, mostly just Americana track that's a ballad, a typical ballad, about a criminal named Spider-John. It's from Spider-John's perspective, and he's talking to some guy as he's now very old and about to die, and he talks about the fact that he was a criminal in his hometown, and he met this woman named Diamond Lily, and he didn't tell her that he was a criminal, but she figured it out later just by hearing about it, and she left him, and he spent the rest of his life since then looking for her. Super simple plot, but the way that the story is told feels so earthy and folky, and really, it feels like an oil painting of some kind put into a song. That's what the story feels like. You get these broad, gorgeous strokes that are only really defined by some particular word choices. It feels great, and the music is gorgeous. It's dark, it's rich, and Willis's original cut has this saxophone on the background that has just these beautiful little interjections every once in a while. It's a lovely song. I adore it. And I went, wow, how have I never heard of this guy before? I gotta go check out the one album that he ended up making, a self-titled Willis Allen Ramsey. So I went to go listen to it. I found it on Spotify, and the first track was Ballad of Spider John, so I got to listen to that again, and I was like, oh man, I'm so psyched for the rest of this album, it's gonna be great. And then I got to track two, and track two is a song entitled Muskrat Love. And um, everything kind of slowed down during that one, because that's a super saccharine folksy kind of song about muskrat Susie and muskrat Sam and how they love each other very much and they give smooches and I was baffled that I was hearing the same person. I became quite afraid, dear listener. I couldn't make it through this album. I, like, here's the thing. This is so weird because Willis Allen Ramsey is popular in Americana circles. The two songs 
that I eventually learned that I knew from him were Ballad of Spider John and Muskrat Love, because Ballad of Spider John was a Jimmy Buffett cover that, you know, I found it through that. And I had heard Muskrat Love before because I had heard it as like a radio single somewhere way back when. And I had no idea that this was the same guy. And the rest of the songs were twangy and sort of folky, but I they didn't recover from the fallout that I had from hearing Muskrat Love right after Ballad of Spider John. I couldn't bear it. Oh, I really wish that I could have gotten through this one to put another tally in the already way behind that I have on getting these extra albums in for this year, but I couldn't do it. I was too weak. If you like folk music at all, I still point you towards Willis Allen Ramsey. If you can make it past track two, you are stronger than I, but someone out there can probably do it. But track one is amazing. The Ballad of Spider John. Go check it out. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Here's what I'll do. Lastly, I have your Twitter good follow for today. Your Twitter good follow is at 0xfox. That's numeral zero, letter X, word fox on Twitter. This is the Twitter account of a fellow named Tom, and Tom just has some good dang posts, you guys. They make bots, they do some art, there's some photography on their website that is wonderful and gorgeous. And frankly, every tweet that Tom has made has been just solid. It's either told me something that I didn't know, educated me, or made me laugh really hard, or just made me go, yeah, dang, okay. Tom just consistently puts out great work on Twitter, and frankly, that's exactly the kind of person that I should be having more often on these good follows. Not really over-the-top accounts, or really cute, clever little bots, but just people like Tom who make good stuff. I don't have a whole lot more specifically, but hey, they're a good follow. Go check out at 0xfox on Twitter, because I think, personally, they are a very, very good follow. And folks, that's just about gonna do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening. I didn't realize how many people are subscribing to this show now. I got a little ping from a advertising service that I won't name names because I'm not sure exactly how shady or not it is, but they contacted me about advertising on the show, and I got very confused because I thought that like eight people listened to this show, and it turns out, at its peak, we've had like 300 RSS subscribers. Thank you so much. This is amazing. If you'd like to join the ranks of people who apparently listen to this show, Go find me on opalnebula.com. New episodes drop Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. I'm going to try and keep to that schedule as best I can now that I know that there are more people listening. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play. And if you want to keep up with me, you can find me on Twitter. at Frogger, spelled P-H-R-A-W-G-E-R. And hey, if you like this show, or if you go to Opal Nebula and see any other shows that you like, please consider finding us on Patreon at patreon.com slash opalnebula. Shots Fired's theme song is Aged, written by Rand Belavia and Adam English, and performed by Ukla the Mock. It's off of their album, Less Than Art, which I enjoyed immensely, and I can't thank these guys enough for letting me use their song on my show. Go check out their stuff at ukladamak.com. And once again, thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you on Thursday. Thursday.